All right. Turn the echo off. There we go. Hey, good afternoon out there. Good evening to everybody out there. Uh, you're watching or listening to Amateur Radio Roundtable. This show is about ham radio or amateur radio. We're glad you're with us tonight. And if you're out there listening on shortwave on WBCQ, like to hear from you. Let us know where you're uh, where you are in the world and how you're hearing the station. Again, we're uh, a relatively low power shortwave station, only fifty thousand watts, but uh, we do have people that pick the show up uh, in several different countries. So uh, send us an email to tom at w5kub.com and let us know where you are and how you're hearing it. We'd love to hear from you. And let's see what else is going on. Oh, hey. Do this for us, if you will. Hit that subscribe button. That's going to be really important. I got something here to help you with that, I think. Let's see. Yeah, right there. Yeah, hit that button right there, subscribe button. That helps us out a whole lot. That button is down there somewhere around that arrow I'm putting on there for you. So please hit that subscribe button. It helps us out a whole lot to uh, uh, advertise our show through uh, through YouTube. Now, you can't watch us on YouTube direct there, just at, at uh, our, our uh, channel, W5KUB, but uh, most of you may be watching it on our website, W5KUB.com, and that's where the official chat room is. If you're not watching on W5KUB.com, you're not in a chat room probably, so that's where all the fun is right now tonight. Hey, join our Facebook group. We've got a great Facebook group that follows the show and also just talks about ham radio and all sorts of things like that. And uh, that Facebook group uh, is actually has the name Amateur Radio Roundtable, but that's a lot to type in there. So if you'll just type in W5KUB in the search on Facebook, you'll find us and uh, we'll be glad to uh, let you join the group. Over 13,000 hams in that group. And... Uh, uh, we, uh, we we have a good time in that group there. Uh, let's see what else is going on. Uh, hey, tonight, I think tonight's going to be an interesting night. <clears throat> I want to talk about some things I don't know a whole lot about, uh, particularly some of the digital modes like JT65. And Glenn is the expert there. Uh, he's going to be able to jump in here and chime in and help lead me on uh, when we talk about various digital aspects. Uh, but tonight, we're going to be talking about... Uh, uh, yeah, I, I want to get my satellite station set back up, and I want to get uh, my uh, station set up where I can try some EME, Earth, Moon, Earth, or, or Moon Bounce. And uh, with a very modest station, uh, that's going to be tough, and we'll talk about how tough it's going to be, but it is possible. Uh, so we'll be talking a little about that tonight. Let's see, what did I have something else here? Let's see. That's probably it. Let's uh, let's uh, jump in here. Hey, uh, hey, Glenn, uh, how you doing down in Mississippi, man? Oh, I'm doing real good. Um, today was actually nice and cool when I got up to go to work. You know, I'm in long sleeves now. Finally, I mean, we broke the hundred degree barriers, and <clears throat> now it's it was like fifty nine or something this morning. So I'm I'm happy. Fall is coming. Winter will be here soon, and uh, I'm like you. I'm waiting for my ninety seven hundred to show up so I can start looking into the, the moon bounds of the digital modes as well yeah uh, you know put something on the other end of the satellite antennas 
give them something to do. Well, it has been cooler, and that's what I've been waiting on. You know, it's you know people maybe that don't live down in the south don't realize how hot it is down here. When we get you know 106 degrees and 89 percent humidity, uh, it's pretty tough. You can't go out more than about 10 minutes. Yeah. But uh, so uh, no, it's, hang it's on, like hang on one second. So uh, I felt a yeah. cough, cough coming on. Uh, yeah, I'll cover for you. All, all right. right. So, so uh, I've been waiting. I've got two rotors that are just not moving out there for my satellite system. My azimuth elevation in my uh, yeah azimuth in my elevation. Two rotors. It just won't turn. So now that it's cool, I can go up there and I can take them down and bring them down here, <clears throat> hook them back up, and see what's uh, you know what's wrong with them. See, if I can't get them working, hey, if I can't get them working, I'll just call uh, Martin down there at MFJ, and I'll just buy me another rotor, I guess. Uh, you should be able to get those working. They're the, you've got the Yaesu rotators? Well, I've got the Yaesu, oh, the, 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 the elevation. The the other one is, uh, I don't know, a, an alliance or a ham something, or it's the bell-shaped. Yeah. Uh, oh, Okay. So you've got two separate ones. Yeah, then. two separate, two separate ones. Yeah. Okay, because I've got the <clears throat> the the single with the Yesu fifty four hundreds. Yeah. Okay. It's, well, it's hey, the, hey, the guys, two motors, but one's horizontal and one's vertical. Yep. Yep. Hey, well, pardon me tonight, guys. Uh, I'm still getting over. You know, I, hey, you know, you get COVID, you get over COVID. Somehow, something kind of hangs with you for a while, and I think something's hanging with me. So. I don't know what it is, man, but, you know, hey, we're going to live, and uh, we're going to start hamming again here. And um, I'm, I'm glad the cool weather's come here, Glenn, like you're talking about there. We can get out and do fix some antennas. I couldn't even repair any antennas this summer. It was so hot. No, my cobweb got torn up by the ice and snow last winter, and I uh, <clears throat> need to get up and, and fix the broken wires. And, again, it's just been too hot to even want to be outside. Yeah, yeah, it has, but uh, we're we're getting there. We're 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 definitely getting there. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, <clears throat> let's see. Let's uh, let's see how I can get this started. Um, well, first, hey, let me just give everybody an update and get this out of the way. What's going on with W five KB one twelve? We're flying uh, in Russia. I, I think tonight when it wakes up, we should be out of Russia. Let me see if I can bring pull it up on the uh, on the screen here. Uh, yeah, there we go. Um, we've been flying in Russia. This is about day, I don't know, 92, 93. Uh, where you see the balloon there, that was last night's post. Uh, tonight, we should be up, if you can see the mouse, tonight we should be up here somewhere, probably over water. So it's taken about six days to cross uh, to cross Russia. And uh, we're, we're, we're glad we're moving on. We want to get out of Russia and uh, uh, try to keep this thing going. Um, so out of, um, out of, let's see how many days we have been up. Let's see. Yeah. You down to, what is that? Is that 43,000 feet? Well, that's not exactly right. Uh, we've been up 94 days, 11 hours and 10 minutes. Now that 43,000, let me just say that basically is, is some raw data coming in from a different type of data tracking system that we're using. It doesn't collect all the data correctly, and uh, we're only getting like one uh, one spot per day. 
uh, but but this this other system is grabbing it and it's like at least telling us where it is. We're up somewhere. Uh, we're up around forty five thousand. Okay. We, we have lost we have lost probably about six thousand feet uh, over the ninety days. But you know, hey, at forty five forty six thousand feet right now, we're flying just as high or higher than most of the ones we've always launched in the past. Never flew that high. Exactly. Ever. So I think and we're going to start yeah. getting into the jet stream for you too. Yeah, so we're going to do pretty good. Uh, it hadn't gone many places just because of the fact that we were above the jet stream, and uh, the winds were about twelve miles an hour for the last, uh, you know, seventy, eighty days, and so we didn't really go many places. Uh, but you know, uh, we're we're um, we're still going, and uh, right now though, it's turning. Here's my concern right now. It is turning to the, um, let me see if I can find it here. Uh, let's just Do you have the HabHub prediction for that? Yeah. Hey, HabHub is going away for all you guys that like HabHub. HabHub's going away, but here's HabHub. Oh, bummer. Here's HabHub. Uh, again, this is going to be last night's posting. It's not, not today's posting. Let me get it on here there we go let me turn on the uh, prediction there the predictions turned on well okay look at the prediction here out of Holy russia cow. i mean you know we couldn't do much worse i mean we're, we're going to we're going to the arctic uh, believe me we're going to be in the arctic uh, if we don't go too high we'll uh, we'll be there uh, we'll have sunlight 24 hours a day at, at some point there but it won't well, be. You know what they low. want to do is they want to go over the North Pole and throw their little flag down over it. Well, they they, they may want to. I I don't know. So so that's where we are today. And uh, you know um, I don't. We keep a log every day of you know altitude and voltage and all that stuff. But it's getting where we've spent up so long now over ninety days. We're kind of just not doing it. Plus, we're not getting good tracks uh, during the day. So we hope that uh, uh, things are going to clear up, the conditions clear up. We've had a lot of uh, solar disturbances. I don't know what's going on. We're, we're also in a part of the world that it's it just bad communications. Well, you've also had a lot of solar events recently. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, one of the things waking back up for us. One of the things uh, I'm, I'm looking to do here, and uh, next week I think we're going to have Martin G with us. He couldn't make it tonight, but... You know, Martin is a, uh, he's an electronics guy, a professor. He's taught it. He's probably one of the sharpest guys around, you know. And, and uh, I, on the phone, I, I laid out a few things with Martin there. And said, Martin, you know, we're always looking to try to improve our signal. And this little chip that we're running on our tracker, it runs 10 milliwatts. That's all, 10 milliwatts. That's less than your garage door opener runs, 10 milliwatts. But it can be heard 9,000 miles away. But the past month or two, we've only been picking up like one or two tracks per day. So it hadn't been doing great. So we're always looking to try to improve things. Now, everybody visualize this. Visualize this. We have our tracker. We have our tracker, and we have our uh, a little a transmitter chip on here, the little 10-milliwatt transmitter chip. And the output of that goes to a, uh, uh, one leg of a 20-meter dipole. It goes straight up to the balloon, 17 feet. The other half of the dipole hooks to ground on here and hangs 17 feet below 
the tracker. But here, here's my dilemma. <clears throat> that, that transmitter chip is putting out a square wave. Now, here's where we get into areas that I'm going to try to do some research and put some scopes on and look at and get some experts in here. If you take, you know, if you take a normal dipole antenna and you look at the, it's like a sine wave. You know, the wave is, is positive on one side and then it's negative on the other side, right? For a half wave dipole. But feature this. On our dipole, we've got a square wave on one side. That's all we got, a square wave on one side. That's the transmitter. So when that, when that top dipole goes solid, well, you know, it, it's, it's, it's taking a square wave, and then it goes solid, and it goes, comes on, and it goes solid. When it goes solid, it's not, it's not transmitting a negative pulse anywhere like on the other, on, on the other uh, part of the dipole, you know. So my question is, is there really anything there? Yeah, I think you muted, Glenn. I was going to say, yeah. don't you have a capacitor that would do that? And well, <clears throat> actually, no, you're still going to be. It's not going to take you below. It, yeah, it, it's just one side. So it's just a right, square yeah. wave. It's a square wave. Now, here's what here's what we're going to do, and what we're going to be testing, and and this is going to be a good experiment, and we'll try to draw it out and lay it out and let you guys see it. the The output of the SI fifty three fifty one chip. It has multiple clock outputs. So right now we're using like clock zero for the antenna, and we're using ground. But what happens if we use clock one, I mean clock zero for the, the top antenna, and we use clock one for the bottom half of the antenna, and we program it to make them 180 degrees out of phase? Now you've got, the square wave again, but on the top half you got the square wave going positive, and then in between on the bottom half you got the square wave going negative. I mean, do you follow me, Glenn? Yeah, I do. I'm not sure that that DC offset is going to be the the is going to help <clears throat> you now by going to the 180. There, technically, you could make a case that you're doubling your power, but well, as far as the the voltage offset. I don't think it really matters if it's negative or positive as far as the, the total swing of it. I think the square wave is a bigger issue because you're going to be losing energy into the harmonics. Well, and, and see, that, that's, that's where I've got to do some learning. We've got a square wave going out on one half the, the dipole, and I don't think we have anything on the other half. Now, you know, I mean, that, that top half is working against the bottom half for sure. It's working against it. Whatever, yeah. whatever, that, whatever. I don't that think means. it's a matter of the DC potential on the on the wire. So. Whatever that means, but if you put a scope somehow on that ground side, I don't think you're going to see any signal. Mm. I don't think you're going to see it. Probably not. But again, you may not. You know, you're, you're equating <clears throat> things to ground, and you're in the air. You don't have ground. Well, I mean, I'm, well, you, you have a, You have a dipole with two legs. Yeah, what which one's grounded? And and they're working off of each other. And let's 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 take just your regular your HF radio you got right there in your shack. You run a coax out to to a dipole. Uh-huh. You got your coax hooked to both both sides of the dipole. And at the radio, where do you start with on the wires? Uh on the radio? 
ground and well, you got ground in the center uh, conductor of the. Then SO2 you take 39. it. Then you take it balanced, maybe through a ballon. Yeah, yeah. But at the end of the day, you're still starting off with ground and a positive voltage. Is is it a, is it an AC voltage, or is it a DC? It's an voltage? RF voltage on which the is, the center conductor, but which the, is AC. That's AC. But the outer conductor, which is the other leg, is ground. So you're That's effectively. True doing the same thing yeah you would have to put it through a balin to get it to be balanced but 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 if you look at all the theory on antennas and the reason they use a balin is to to uh, to isolate that coax from the dipole to, to make it balanced up there where all your energy goes in both sides of your dipole right you know, without but at the, the end balin, of the day there's a lot of yeah antenna designs that are unbalanced yeah and without the balance of course the feed line is going to radiate the other part of that well you're just going to have to wrap yourself a 10 milliwatt toroid well i don't know but you know this is something we're going to in fact hey guys i bought me a new scope today uh uh, glenn i bought me one of those uh off of uh off the internet it's it's like a 100 meg uh, two channel scope Uh uh-huh and uh, you know it's not a little, not a deep thing. It's pretty flat. You know, it's a couple inches deep, and you know. Right. Uh, pretty, I got one of you, those. You got you. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. That's going to be, I think, cool to look at this with. And uh, yeah, well, what I like about those yeah. is that they're digital scopes, and they've got USB output, so you can yep. screenshot and and everything that the displays. And yeah, I think you're really going to love it. Yeah. So so that's kind of our dilemma on we're trying to improve the signal. So if we if we do put the output on the top leg and the bottom leg of the antenna using two outputs, one fed 180 out of phase to the other, then you know, hey, you see your little square wave up here on this one, and then when it goes to zero, you see the square wave on the bottom one. You know, so so we don't know what that's going to do. Um, don't don't know. Well, and see, there's where I'm going to say you need to get an antenna expert in here like Martin because when you don't have a ground, you really just, there's two sides. And, you know, there's there's not a ground per se. And when you radiate out, does it really matter if one's radiating or not? Because is it truly not radiating? Because, again, there's no real ground reference. Yeah. So, so this is this is where you're going to need to get somebody with a much bigger brain than yours and mine in here. So we need Martin. Yeah, Martin will be here. And we talked to Martin, and Martin said, well, you know, it'd be just like two batteries in series. You know, the dipole is like two batteries in series. And, you know, you're going to double your voltage. And, and, and. Uh, well, yeah, if you do the, the clock one, clock two <clears throat> thing and get them 180 out of phase. um you're still going to be all positive, so you're going to have to find a way to remove that, you know, remove the offset and stuff. Yeah. But um, you're you're going to have double the square wave because it's going to be a complementary opposite. So yeah, well, that's going Martin, to double Martin the power. Will be, you're uh, have Martin a will be good. He's, he's got uh, he's got all week to think about this, and uh, yeah. you know, Martin says, hey, if you double your voltage, that's four times the power. Yes. Now. 
and then he throws out a bunch of formulas. He's driving on the interstate from uh, Atlanta, oh, and he's throwing out Love all these formulas. <laughs> you know, R squared minus the derivative of this is that, you know, and, you know, he's Absolutely. throwing all this stuff oh, out. Oh, gosh, yeah. So he, oh, he, I, I love it when you yeah. get him into theory. Yeah. So, so we're going we're gonna to probably, maybe next week we'll get into that deep with Martin and see what, what he thinks. Yeah, and then that'll we'll, be uh, fun. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, that'll be a lot of we'll fun. We'll scope it out and uh, see if we can figure this thing out for sure. Yeah. And uh, that, that's the interesting thing about our truckers, not just flying a balloon. We have probably made 20 changes to this board. We've reduced parts off of it. We've taken parts off of it. We've redesigned it. We've redesigned the software. Uh, it does a lot of different things now. And uh, it's, just, uh, it's just a fun little experiment that, that we keep, keep on doing here. Hey, oh, yeah. Uh, all right, let's let's talk. Let's jump into our subject tonight. Let's see what's uh Well, before we get there, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I wanted to bring something up that you okay. were talking out actually at the beginning of the show. About WBCQ, they're at what, 7490? Yes. Okay, and you're saying they're just 50,000 watts? Yeah, about 50,000. I think the yeah. transmitter were right. on. Which ham watching this show? wouldn't give their left arm and other associated body parts to have 50,000 watts right at 40 meters. Well, that would be pretty good. That I would. mean, I'll take that in a heartbeat. Yeah, it, yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's low power to them, I know, but it, it's not low power to us. That's right, man. Anyway. And you know, you know what, guys? We were on, when we had WBCQ on the show one night, and uh, we're not on this antenna. This antenna was installed for one of their religious customers. This is a multi-million dollar install here. That antenna right there is the largest shortwave antenna in, in the Americas. And that was put in by a company, I think, from Sweden or somewhere. That antenna is, is rotatable. And uh, uh, they showed us. It's a little motor in the bottom about the size of, if you ever remember back in the olden days when you had your record player, you know, the little, the little record player motor that's under there. This this actual antenna there, which weighs thousands of tons, is actually rotated with a little motor that size. But uh, you can see the feed line here going out to it. Uh, but uh, uh, I guarantee you, they got that thing geared down pretty good. Yeah, and you know, the night that uh, Alan was on our show and we were talking about WBCQ, uh, he was doing a simulcast for us, and we were on the new transmitter and that antenna. And we were running, uh, we were running low power that night. We were running only one hundred thousand watts, yeah, low power. I think that antenna has something like fifteen dB or something gain. Ooh, but nice. We were running, we were run only, we were running low power, a hundred thousand watts that night. And uh, we actually had viewers in Australia that were listening to the show and were in the chat room, and they could hear us down in Australia. Now, that was low power, one hundred thousand watts. The the transmitter is designed uh, to it, it's 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 designed to loaf along at at five hundred thousand watts. Wow! So, so uh, you know what? There may not be any snow up there anymore once they turn that thing on. Yeah, you know? there's the reason for climate change. That's folks, right. right. Climate there. change right there is WBCQ. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I love that see. antenna. Though. That's that's a that's a work of art right there. All right, let me look at the chat room here and see if anything's going on. Uh, let's see. Not much other than 50,000 watts is being called QRO, ouch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
All right, so so uh, let's 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 jump into. Uh, I want to get into the subject of our um, of our uh, satellite uh, EME JT65. Some of the digital modes. What we're going to do, and what I want to do, I'm going to start that out with just. You know, guys, I uh, I won the 9700 at uh, at uh, Huntsville three weeks ago, and uh, I didn't even open the box until tonight. I've had it three and a half weeks and just opened the box tonight just so I could, you know, make it fit into the show. So uh, we're going to have a box opening in a minute, and I'm going to show you the 9700. We're not going to do any review on it, but just a quick uh, box opening and let you see what the front and back looks like and tell you how we're going to put it in into uh, into use here. Now, so, there's a reason he's doing this, and that's that he got his at Huntsville, and he knows I'm waiting for mine to come in. Yeah. He's just doing this to make me drool. I'm doing it to make him drool. So here, here we go. Here, here we go. <clears throat> we got over it, and uh, that's kind of slowed us down here. So after three weeks, I'm finally opening my uh, IC9700 here. Let's see, what's, let's see what's in the box here. It's a small box. Wow. The uh, okay, so we've got a pretty thick user manual here. Hmm. I don't know. It's pre manuals. I'm not sure what they are. Let's see, Let's see what they are real quick. Okay. Uh, so you know, I'm going to be setting my satellite station back up, and I want to do some EME with it. Uh, this is a TS-2000, Kenwood TS-2000, and this is what I uh, uh, used to use for my satellite. And, uh, you know, it's a good satellite. It's HF. It's HF through uh, VHF, UHF. It's a nice radio. Uh, but since I won that 9700, I'm going to give it a try. Give it a shot for a satellite and uh, EME. So let's go a quick unboxing. We're not going to do any kind of review or anything on it. We're just going to unbox it and see what's in the box, okay? So, we got this Sunday of uh, Huntsville, and I uh, haven't even opened the box yet. I don't know what's in here. It's supposed to be a 9700, so let, let's see what's in here. Uh, Kathy and I both have uh, had the COVID and got over it, and uh, that's kind of slowed us down here. So, after three weeks, I'm finally opening my uh, IC9700 here. Let's see what's, let's see what's in the box here. Wow, the, uh, okay, so we've got a pretty thick user manual here. Hmm. I don't know, it's pre manuals. I'm not sure what they are. Let's see, Let's see what they are real quick. Oh, so one of them is the, uh, oh, they're in different languages. That's what it is. Manuel de Base and uh, Manual. Basido, and then okay, manual. I guess for the manual, and here's the basic manual. I see my seven hundred. Okay, looks like we got some uh, really heavy, heavy cardboard in here. Uh, power cable, nice heavy uh, power cable fused on both sides. There's the uh, ICOM uh, microphone. And it sends a couple extra fuses and a, and a preconductor uh, plug in. Let's see what we got here. 
and they uh, really packed it well. Really solid, thick cardboard. More cardboard, more cardboard. Wow, it may not be a radio in here. More cardboard, look how thick that is. Ah, there's something down here in the bottom. Get it out. We'll move this box over here. Let's see what we can see here. This will be my first look at this thing. Ah. Looks pretty. Ah, it's a quite heavy radio. So here we go. Off. Get it off. Okay. This is a nice looking, uh, nice looking radio. It kind of looks like the 7300. Uh, let's do a quick comparison next to the 7300 and see how it compares. See if I can do this. We'll see if we can get, get a good comparison here. Here's the 7300 on the bottom right there, and I'm going to put this 9700 on top of it. Look there, they, they look almost identical, don't they? Uh, same knobs and everything, buttons. Looks almost the same. Uh, 76, uh, that's the 7300, and that's the 70, 97. uh, the 9700 right there. Okay. All right, well, there you go. We uh, we finally got a chance to unbox it. Let's look at the back of it real quick. And we've got, okay. Looks like we have the N-type connectors uh, for the UHF. There's two of them, I'm not sure why. Oh, that's tw it's got, well, it says 1200 megahertz. <clears throat> I don't know if this has got 1200 megahertz in it or not. I, I didn't, that may be an option. So there's a 430 megahertz. And here's your VHF over here. You got your USB connections. No, it does have the 1200. Uh, your LAN connections. And I'm not sure what this is. I'm going to have to look. This little connector here, that may be an IFL or a second. Oh, well, let's see, it tells right here. That is a. Reference in 10 megahertz. Not sure what you'd use that for. But there we go. That is 9700. And what I'm going to do is over here, uh, this, uh, you know, I'm running out of room on my desk over there. So what I'm going to do here, this was my original satellite position. I, I've taken part of my workbench here. And, uh, Here's my azimuth and elevation rotors here. Uh, so I'll need to scoot these down a little and I'll put that 9700 here in the center and connect it to the computer so we can run the satellite programs and the uh, JT65 and so forth. Uh, you guys may remember we did a remote base using that uh, RXTX uh, software. This is my ro remote base I can turn on and uh, use you know, if I'm out mobile or something like that. So uh, this, I'm going to be uh, setting up the new, uh, the new satellite station. And that's it.
Yeah, Tom, you've got no audio. I do now. Yes, you do now. Oh, hey, it's got twelve ninety six in it. I guess. So. Yes, yes, it does. Wow. And uh, <clears throat> I don't know what the reference is for. I was like you. I thought that's an IF out, but that <clears throat> reference, uh, you know, maybe something for the waterfall. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So I don't twelve ninety six. Let's see, man. What's the uh, what's the quarter wave antenna for twelve ninety six? I can take me a coffee can, and I can put me a little uh, a little vertical in there, or make me a wave guide for it. You know, twelve ninety six uh, antenna must be about. Right it's going to be one sixth of two meters. One sixth. Yeah. One, one sixth what inch? Foot. Uh, one sixth the length of a two meter antenna. So oh. one sixth of nineteen <clears throat> inches. Well, yeah, four forty is seventy centimeters. Yeah. Okay. Divide that by three. It's going to be twenty. But we're talking. Yeah. Tw oh, okay. Twelve ninety six. So hey. Uh, hey man, that's gonna be a small antenna, man. That's, that's gonna be a pretty small little antenna I'm gonna put on that thing right there. It's just gonna be a little itty bitty thing. Well, maybe uh, well, I don't know. I doubt you and I could work twelve ninety six between us. It's, no, we it's, can't. It's, We'd have to moon bounce it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that was an ICOM uh, IC ninety seven hundred, and Glenn's waiting on his. He's got one on order, and. Uh, so once Glenn gets his all hooked up, he can help me uh, with mine there. Now, so uh, I showed you the TS-2000, the Kenwood TS-2000 uh, uh, is a all-mode, all-band HF, VHF, UHF radio. And uh, that, that's what I used to use on satellite. Of course, the TS-2000 is getting a little old. That radio is probably getting 15, 20 years old, I guess, by now. Yeah, I was the same way. Yeah, I had the yeah. ASU uh, FT847. Yeah. So, you know, I thought, well, you know, let's just try the 9700 and see how it, it, it goes. And uh, uh, like I mentioned earlier, let me show you my uh, let, let me show you my antenna situation. I've got a, uh, over my back porch, I've got a little flat roof. And uh, that's where I have uh, my azimuth elevation antennas. Now, when you look at these antennas, this is not the most recent picture. Uh, that's only a five-element two-meter antenna, and uh, I've got a thirteen-element two-meter Yagi on there now. So uh, now there would be a fun comparison. I yeah. have to get pictures of mine, but I've got uh, two fourteen-element Quaggies, yeah. wire Quaggies up 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 on mine. Yeah. So you can see here the picture. See, uh, there's you can see the two rotors. One is the azimuth rotor. The one on top is the elevation of rotor. Again, that five element uh, uh, two meter beam has been swapped out for a thirteen element longer boom. Uh, and the uh, UHF or four fifty antenna over there, I think it's like eleven or twelve elements. So that's all I got to work with. Don't have a lot. You can see. Uh, See my flat roof, and the problem I've got, you see the trees around the house. So in the wintertime, all those leaves are off. I can actually see the moon through there in the wintertime. Uh, satellite, uh, you know, I, I can talk through the leaves. Satellite, there is some attenuation. Uh, I do have an opening uh, above me and a little bit to above me and to the west and to the south, uh, but I got a lot of trees around me. Uh, which uh, 
they keep falling on the house, and I keep removing them. So at some <laughs> point, we'll have have less there. Uh, again, you can see the the two rotors uh, up there on that little flat roof right here. And you know, it doesn't make much difference if those antennas there are 15 feet off the ground or 45 feet off the ground because uh, you know it's uh, when you're working satellites and and um, um, stuff like that. Uh, most of the stuff's aimed up anyway, so. Uh, uh, hopefully the trees will not uh, make me strike out. Uh, yeah, now Chris in the chat room actually has an interesting question, uh-huh. and uh, and that's does horizontal or vertical polarization matter? Well, it does matter, and we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, <clears throat> uh, a mismatch in polarity is about three dB loss. So oh, I thought words, it was more like sixty. So if I'm, you know, if I'm if I'm uh, horizontal and the guy's vertical on the other end, I mean, yeah, and, and it may even go higher than that, Glenn. It may even go higher than six. I think one of the one of the things I'm going to show in a minute has some uh, stats on that 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 we can look at. Uh, so I could I could uh, duplicate the antennas and make them, you know, crisscross, you know, like an X, and uh, that's what a lot of people do uh, uh, for their satellite system. Back when I was working the satellite or the birds, um, you know, I, I didn't have a lot of problem needing the, the crisscross or the vertical horizontal uh, rotatable antenna. Uh, there's so much fading and stuff going on with the uh, satellite right. anyway. They're, they're kind of tumbling a little bit anyway. You know, and, and the, really the thing stable. is, if you're trying to work a satellite on, on a handy talkie and you're using a, a, a portable antenna like this, uh, definitely, you can rotate that uh, vertical or horizontal, and it makes a big difference. Uh, it makes a big difference on a signal. But that only lasts for a few seconds, then it goes back the other way. So, uh, you know, it'd be nice to uh, have both polarities, but uh, that's just a luxury that we're we're not going to have here. Uh, let, let me let me throw this. Uh, see if I can get this presentation on. We're going we'll, we'll talk a little about it. It's something I found on the internet. And uh, let's see if I can find the one I want to bring up. Uh, I would have to go with this, the beginner's guide uh, to small station, because, you know, I'm going to be a small station. I'm not going to have high power. I'm not going to have four Yaggies and stacked arrays and all that stuff. So, and this is a, this is a. uh, At least until we can get a hold of that WBCQ Yeah, this this presentation uh, was on the internet, and I found it tonight. If you just do a search for uh, uh, EME stations with, with, uh, I don't know, small antennas or something, this will probably come up, and hopefully I can find a person's name here. There he is, Paul Brock, uh, K4MSG, did this. So, you know, just, we're going to go through it real fast just to, to hit some high points there. Uh, uh, VH, uh, talking about using VHF for the moon, I probably will try VHF to the moon instead of UHF because there's a little bit more path loss on the UHF. So uh, we'll probably try that. So, you know, back in the 60s, 70s, 80s, EME was pretty tough. You had to have a majorly big station to uh, to do that. It was challenging. Uh and uh, there was a lot of work that went in that. Look at this uh, array here. This kind of reminds me of an array Bob uh, Heil uh, put together when he was 16 years old. That is a bunch of, looks like, 13-element uh, antennas all phased there and rotatable. 
If you yeah, look, it looks like they're also six meters on that, too. It could, could be. And if you look real close uh, at the distal end, you'll see some car tires down there. I think the way that thing rotates is those car tires. It's just a big circle, and that thing just drives around. Uh, but, uh, okay. So <clears throat> the path loss is 250 dB. It's greater than 250 dB. Your polarization, uh, you know, hey, like it says here, your horizontal this is my horizontal. So who knows what? Who knows what your polarization is, you know? Uh, and by the time it goes out and comes back, it's going to probably change several times. So, you know, that's uh, that's an interesting point, something you just have to live with. You know, back in uh, around 2003, I guess the miracle happened there, and uh, uh, that was uh, the release of JT65 software and uh, uh, by Joe Taylor, and... It was able to decode signals less than minus 27 dB relative to the noise floor. And the guys, those are signals you can't even hear. <clears throat> uh, you know, but it says here, to be realistic, uh, you need, you need uh, several modest-sized antennas and 500 watts. Well, I'm not going to have 500 watts. I might be able to, to put an amp on there and get 150 watts, 180, I don't know. Okay, it says you're gonna be lucky if you can hear your own echo. Some of the uh, some of the JT sixty five and Whisper or some of those uh, digital modes have an S, uh, uh, an echo mode where you can actually see your signal come back. But it's doubtful with my antenna system we would actually see it signal come back. So what I'm hoping to do is just start off and receive maybe some of the big guns that are transmitting. Uh, says you'll probably never be able to hear or see your own signal. Uh, you, you are, you're going to work stations larger than you. Uh, so let's see. So how does he do it? Suggestions for uh, a 2-meter EME. Uh, least 100 watts. So he, he, they're saying with 100 watts it's possible, um, especially if you can put a little low-noise amplifier up there. And if you got a you know a 10 dB gain uh, antenna, uh, you, you that that'll work or it should get you by. And low loss coax, and I've got some low loss coax going up. Although my coax run is 100 feet, uh, quick and easy. You know, using that JT65, they're just taking the signal out of the speaker and putting it in a mic and uh, uh, back and forth like that. That's not the preferred way to do it. Uh, you'll, you'll hear it might pick up other noises there. Uh, uh, set up for uh, two meter EME using PTT, and that would be using a, a, something like a rig blaster. Or the new rigs have the built-in uh, sound card built into them, and uh, uh, I don't think uh, and so. You can you can connect directly there. Um, that way you you'd be immune from noise chipping the vox you know through the microphone oh uh, let's see extra cables this was a km4 uh, msg station in 2013 you can see at the top here he had a 100 watt amplifier uh, uh, for 430 and he had a 200 watt amp for uh, two meters uh, I'm not sure what antennas he had let's see Single YAG you set up right here uh, with a TV rotor. Uh, that's interesting. You got a TV rotor there, 
in a manual uh, elevation. So he sets the, the elevation manually. That's not a terribly large uh, antenna that he's got there. Um, that's a, a long boom uh, uh, a 432 antenna. Uh, he's talking about using the uh, the solid state uh, uh, power amplifiers, put it out at the antenna. So I guess this is his station. Uh, in 13, he had a Yagi, a single Yagi with 170 watts. Uh, then he went to 260 watts. Then he went to a dual Yagi uh, with uh, 260 watts. Uh, this is a dual nine-element Yagi array with a 350-watt uh, power amp in the shack. So uh, that's uh, that's interesting. See, that's not a lot of antenna. You know, that's something that we all could be capable of. You know, maybe doing. And there's another one. Hey, the interesting thing—I don't know if you can see it there. The, he's got the azimuth rotor. The azimuth rotor is right there. He does not have an elevation rotor, but he has a lever. He has a lever right there with a long pole on it, and he actually sets the uh, elevation just with it manually there. So that's kind of neat the way he did it. You know, once you get it aimed at the moon, the moon doesn't move very fast, so uh, you know it's not like tracking the satellites. Uh, there's a uh, looks like a two meter, uh, yeah, two meter uh, EME uh, antenna system with a hundred watts. So look. You take a take a very modest antenna, a single antenna right there, and a hundred watts, and and it's going to be tough. But I think you can do it according to all this. So uh, I won't go into a lot of the the QSOs here. I don't understand them all, uh, but there's a lot of research. You've got to figure out where the moon is and where it's going to be and so forth. There's four days a year that behind the moon, the Milky Way is back there, and when the Milky Way is behind the moon, that generates uh, a lot more noise that you'll, uh, you'll pick up. So you want to try to avoid those four days. I don't, I don't know what those four days are. Uh, I, I, they've got a, uh, a, like a chat room or a talk channel here. You can actually go to this channel and you can actually say, hey, I'm, I'm trying to you know, be on the air right now. And, uh, you know, is there anybody out there that can help me or talk to me? <clears throat> so that's pretty good. Uh, path loss, uh, lunar path loss, about 250 dB at 2 meters and, and 263 dB at 432. Uh, you got all kinds of stuff. I don't even know what spatical polarization is. Spatial. Uh, yeah, Faraday rotation, galactic and solar noise. That's the uh, Milky Way. You got Doppler shift for sure, uh, especially when we work satellites. We we see the Doppler shift. Uh, now there's your answer on the here, spatial. Here's your, uh, here's your mismatch. It says mismatch losses 3B. At uh, 45 degrees. Uh, my horizontal is not the same as yours. I guess if you're off 45 degrees, that would be about 3DB. Right, but at 90 yeah. degrees, it's greater than 20. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So at, at 60, it's 6. And in 90, it's saying greater than 20. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's something I don't know that we'll ever figure out. And one of the ways to get around that is to use the dual polarity antennas or circular antennas. 
uh, which is, is costly to put together and so forth, and I, I won't be doing that. Um, no, that was one reason I went with the Quaggies was to try to help yeah. that pattern. Yeah. Here's the galactic noise, the moon in front of the, the uh, Milky Way, three to four days. That's probably a bad time. Uh, your noise is higher. Uh, you know, brute force, that means high power. You got your Doppler shift issues. Uh, the Army, and uh, guys, we had the Army uh, back in 1946 bounced the first signals off the moon with a project called Project Diana. I know Alan has talked about it on here. In fact, we even had uh, people uh, on the show uh, during uh, some of the celebrations for Project Diana, and we've talked about them on the show. It's been several years now. But uh, the Army was the first ones to send a signal to the moon and bounce it back. Uh, they did it again in 54. They did a voice transmission. Um, that's, a, uh, that's a facsimile picture that uh, was sent through the moon. Uh, this is a cool ship right here. Look at it. There's a dish back there pointing straight up. So, uh, 1960, you got a big dish on there. Uh, let's see. There we go. Another dish. That would be cool. Uh, can you hear me now? That's what it used to take back in the 60s right there. That's what it used to take to, uh, work moon bounce. It was not an easy thing, and there was very few people that, uh, would do it, were able to do it. They're running a kilowatt on two meters. And um, it was it was tough. Uh, the first two-way EME was 1960. It was Sam Harris uh, W1FZJN and Hank Brown W6HB, and they did it on 1296, I think. So that's uh, that's some of the rundown there on that one. I've got one more here that I'll, that that I'm going to get more into. Uh, I think let's see in in. All right. This is uh this is from uh SM4 GGC uh SPIG. And uh <clears throat> this is we're going to just look basically at some antenna systems that are they're using out there. So you can see this antenna is, looks like quad antennas uh all phased together. So uh we won't be having that. Uh modes for digital of course is is uh the new Joe Taylor stuff. Uh, I don't know about the I don't know about the WSJTX weak signal. Uh, is that any better than JT65? I mean, I don't know the difference. I know I know JT65 was actually uh, built for EME. So we're going to look at. I'm a couple. not really up to speed on the Dash X, other than it adds the FT4 <laughs> and the FT8 capabilities. Uh huh. And uh, the JT65 is going to outperform those simply because the JT65 is like a 48-second transmission, right, and right. The FT4 and 8 are much shorter, so you've got right. you know, not as much capability of de decoding the digital data. Well, there's a couple of uh, samples for uh, just your quick contacts on uh, JT65. It's pretty basic. JT65B, uh, I don't know the difference between A, B, and whatever, but that, that bandwidth is only 355 cycles. And uh, Glenn, here's where you're the expert in all this stuff, and I'm going to be calling on you for help here. Uh, shorthand messages. Uh, let's see. I don't know what QRA64 is. Is that is that a different digital mode? That I've got no idea. I'd have to look that up. <clears throat> that's only 111 uh, hertz. Yeah, I would say that's a that's a different different mode. 
And there's your WSJT10. Uh, uh, I've not heard of that one, but we're going to no, have to I look haven't. at that. But it actually gives you the position up here where the moon is, the azimuth elevation. So it's probably made for moon bounce. Uh, well, well, that to, may just be add-on. You know, that may be software level. It could be. Could be. You know, yeah, because it started out as WSJT and now 10 and now X. Yeah. So I'm thinking that may just be the software level. Maybe. Now, here's uh, their Echo. I don't. I don't. I you know. I would. I would hope that we could have done an echo and hear ourselves, but I don't think that's going to be possible. Uh, from what I'm reading, I don't know what MSHV is. That's another digital protocol. Uh, we, we may need to check into these, uh, uh, Glenn, and see what they are. They may be. Yeah, because they're. I don't believe they re they really use JT65 and, and those modes anymore. They use. Uh, oh, that's for meteor scatter. The uh, MSK oh, it, modes, I believe, oh, is, is what they here's, use. For it the says media here scanner. only JT65 for EME so far. So yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, I think that's where we got to go. Uh, so uh, let's see, EME setup. He tells you a short kind of how to set it up. There he is. He's using a TS2000 right there uh, for his uh, uh, transceiver. Uh, and let's see. Uh, here's some antenna switching with sequencers and everything. I don't know about all that. I, we're not going to be using that kind of stuff. Uh, there's his programs he runs. Okay, this is uh, interesting right here. This is what caught my eye when I looked at this presentation. We're going to have one Yagi here on our end. So with one Yagi, it's possible to have a QSO with someone on the other end that has a four Yagi station. So I'm not going to have a QSO with somebody with a one Yagi system. Probably not going to have a two Yagi system. So one Yagi, i got to talk to somebody with four Yagis. If I have two Yagis, you know, uh, that are together, it's possible to QSO with other two Yagi stations. It says See, and I, I think they just throw that out there to make you spend more money on Yeah, antennas. well, maybe maybe so. So a good solution would be the four Yaggies, you know. Uh, big advantage uh, to use, the big advantage to use X Yaggy. I don't know what that is. Op, uh, uh, it's uh, optimal to use adapt, adaptive polarization and receive. That's where you have the vertical and the horizontal uh, elements uh, in your, your antenna. Um. Here's uh, here's some antennas. You know, so they look like they're pretty close to ground. Again, they don't have to be high to work the moon. Uh, here's here's another shot. This looks like some quads right here that uh, OK One has. This is pretty simple. Well, actually, he's got two. He's got two Yaggies for two meters, and he's got one Yaggy there in the center for. Uh, or the 432 but he's got one two three four five so that's a seven element uh as i mentioned i think mine are 13 element uh antennas it has just a little bit more gain uh oh let's see uh, again uh another person's way of mounting them that's a super long super long uh antenna there in greenland yeah, now W E uh, D eight I O L in the chat room is saying that X Yagi means rotating one two meter Yagi ninety degrees from the the other. Ah, one. okay, yeah, okay. 
And that, yeah, and that's possible. That's going to solve that's your the, polarization stuff. That's, that's what I mentioned earlier. When you get your little hand uh, beam and you're out working a satellite, you can rotate it with your hand. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, that would definitely help if you could rotate it uh, there. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Resultant possibilities. This person, uh, I guess since 2012, has made over 1,600 QSOs with uh, 678 different people. Uh, so what are we waiting on? Well, we're not going to have any antenna system like that, that's for sure. And again, this was a presentation that SM4GGC uh, put out on the Internet, and uh, we uh, hope you don't mind us sharing that. So that's kind of, Glenn, what we're... Uh, well, we're we're gonna be gonna be up against, man. You know. Oh yeah, no, it's it's not gonna be an easy thing to do. Yeah, I'm thinking that I'd like to just set up and you know maybe the first six months just try to receive somebody. Exactly, I was thinking the yeah, same thing. Yeah, and if if we can actually copy somebody or receive somebody, we know it's working one way for sure. You know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I would do. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll play with that, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun either way. Yeah, you know the next thing that would help would be to put you know uh, 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 amplifiers preamps out of the antenna. The only problem yeah. the problem the is big- you can't transmit with that preamp out there unless you get some that are uh, uh, have switching in them. And you yeah, know, Glenn, and I think I, those those ones that he was talking about. Yeah. Uh, those have, are uh, they do have the built-in uh, switch. Now, I've got a Mirage here, a 160 watt uh, two meter amp with the receive preamp in it. It's auto switching. Well, that's uh, that's that's great. That's 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 good. And that might be but the best finding thing. one for 440 is a little tougher for 432. Well, we won't be doing 40. I meant 432 megahertz. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. Those are going to be so, you know, the, so the I have 70 looked, centimeter pieces. I, and I know there are hams out there that have the uh, the sequencers and the preamps up there, and they turn them on and off when they transmit. And I have looked, and I'm I willing to try to buy some to put out there with my antennas. And uh, I can't find any on the market. There's there's nobody. If anybody in the chat room knows anybody that sells preamplifiers that will switch on and off. Uh, I think you need to you know. get with the AMSAT folks. They'll probably yeah. have a list of sources. Yeah. says, I need to get me an old big dish. Well, you know, I, uh, I've i had dishes uh, at my QTH for a number of years. Uh, uh, even at my old QTH, uh, when I lived over in Arkansas, I had a 10-foot dish and a, and a, a six-foot dish out there. And actually, uh, I home-brewed my first uh, C-band satellite system, and it worked great. And uh, uh, that, ante- that that dish would do real good. Now, my understanding is the best time to do the moon bounce is when the moon is down low, right at the horizon. Somehow, I'm reading, somehow you pick up momentum or gain with a signal down near the ground, near the near the the Earth, going toward the horizon. Uh, it doesn't work as well when the moon is up in the sky. So, um, you know, I don't know. We don't know where it's going to work. Oh, uh, let's see. Rebuild your C-band dish. Yeah, I'd like to do that. Um, uh, let's see. Okay, well, um, so Glenn, once I get 
my rotors down and tear them apart. And that's always messy, man. When I pull that, when I oh pull gosh, that, yeah, when I pull I'm that dreading. asthma, asthma that rotor apart, and and a hundred and twenty-seven ball bearings come out of it. Yes, yes. And they all get grease on them. Oh man, you know. Now, if you do need ball bearings for yeah. that uh, that Ham M style mm-hmm. rotor, I do have brand new ones. Well, I I think they're all in there. I mean, it may be missing one. I don't know. Yeah, I, but I mean, when you pull it out, you're invariably going to yeah. lose some. Yeah, I'm a, I'll build me a little dam around. So I'll build me a dam around. So, well, the nice thing about it, they're going to be so greasy when they come out of there, they're not going to roll very yeah. far. Yeah, but you know, if yeah. they're scored or something, that you're going to yeah. want new ones. Well, my rotor, that rotor you saw is probably a, a minimum of 50 years old. I mean, that, yeah. that thing has done great, man. And you know, Yeah, and mine I, stick every now and then, and I just make it a point to... To turn them every so often. Yeah, I could rock mine a little bit and get it going, but it, it won't rock and get going now. I, I think yeah. I, I greased it up one time, and I didn't use lithium stuff, grease on it. Right. I think I put some regular grease on it there, and it probably has just it's just turned to up, glue. Man. Yeah, probably has. <clears throat> yeah. And and Mark in the <clears throat> chat room is saying you've dried out the caps and the rotor well, controller. Well, I've replaced. But- I've replaced the cap. That was the easy part. I've replaced the that run cap or whatever you know in the yeah. in the controller. Uh, that did not fix it. And uh, now my my bet is it's just you know yeah been out there for so long in the same position that it's kind of corroded yeah. a little bit and and frozen on you. Once you break it loose and relube it, you should be okay. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll be trying to do that. That's that's the, the next thing that we have to do um, before we get any of this going here. So anyway, hey guys, that's uh that's our thoughts about JT sixty five and IC ninety seven hundred and EME and all that. And hey, if any of you guys are doing EME in the chat room, we'd love to hear from you. And um, uh, you know, even with close coordination with somebody on the other end and uh, you're chatting with them okay i'm on now yeah there's no guarantee you're gonna make a contact you know so all right i'll tell you what let's do uh we can open the chat we can open the uh, uh we can open up zoom here in just a minute let's do this we'll be right back and uh we'll uh we'll invite everybody to uh join us here ldg electronics provides state from QRP to QRO, fixed stations, portable and remote, an LDG tuner will match your radio to your antenna using our lightning-fast, proprietary tuning algorithms. LDG is a family-owned and operated company dedicated to bringing innovative, quality products to the amateur market. All LDG products carry a full two-year warranty that is fully transferable. Support is only a phone call or email away. We're always here to help you. Visit us on the web at ldgelectronics.com. Keep your competitive contesting edge with ICOM. ICOM's high-powered base stations cut through the pileups, letting you work the bands and record those contacts. Contest from the comfort of your home or remotely with the RS-BA1 app. The IC7851 gives you a new window into the RF world and is HF excellence unparalleled with faster processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal is truly the pinnacle of HF perfection. It has dual receivers, digital IF filters, high resolution spectrum waterfall. The IC7610 is a direct sampling software-defined radio that has changed the world's definition of an SDR transceiver. 
Features include RF direct sampling, 110 dB RMDR, independent dual receivers. Create your own band opening with the IC9700. This transceiver brings direct sampling to the UHF VHF weak signal world. This all mode transceiver is loaded with innovative features that are sure to keep you very busy. It has fast processors, higher input gain, higher display resolution, and a cleaner signal. Included are real-time high-speed spectrum scope and waterfall display, smooth satellite operation with 99 satellite channels, dual watch operation, and full duplex operation in satellite mode. The IC7300 is the high-performance innovative HF transceiver with a compact design, and it will far exceed your expectations. This innovative HF transceiver digitizes RF before various receiver stages, producing inherent noise in different IF stages. The IC7300 changed the way entry-level HF is designed. Features include RF direct sampling, 15 discrete bandpass filters, a large 4.3-inch color touchscreen, real-time spectrum scope. For more information on ICOM radios, visit www.icomamerica.com amateur. All right, and we are back. And, uh, hey, you've been listening to uh, Amateur Radio Roundtable, a show about ham radio. And that part of the show is over with. And now we're going to go into after the show show. This is the fun part. After the show show, right there. After after the show show, bringing ham radio to you. So this is your chance right now to join us. I put the link in the chat room. I'll stick it in here again in case you were sleeping when it happened. Uh, there it is. Uh, if you're out there listening on short waves, shoot us an email to tom at w5kub.com. Let us know where you are. You're listening on WBCQ 7490. And uh, you can join us on Tuesday nights live with our chat room and our video show. We'd love to have you. Just come to w5kub.com. And let's see. I see Charlie there. Hey, Charlie. How you doing, man? Oh, let's see. Uh, hello. So long, everybody. All right, let's see who that was. I just joined here. Let me get. Uh, here we go. All right. There's Charlie. Charlie, you look different tonight. What? You get a haircut or something? Yes, yes, and I'm getting gray hair also. <laughs> Maybe glasses. Welcome to the club. Maybe glasses. Yeah. Did you shave your mustache off? You look different tonight. I don't know. Maybe he must have had to get a job or something. Yeah, it must be his new jacket or something he's got on. I don't know. Yeah. He looks different. Yeah. He looks different. I don't. Yeah. All right. Well, all right. Well, Charlie. Maybe you can get set up for satellite, I mean, for uh, EME down here, and we'll work you on EME. Yeah, I have. we have at the club one of uh, the guys there. He's uh, really into EME, and he he, he has all the, the equipment, but, but now he's selling a lot of the UHF and VHF equipment, uh-huh. and he's, uh, he's now... Uh, Trying to work uh, 10 gigahertz on EME. Oh, so I don't know. Yeah, he's with, uh, with all that. Well, he he he. Uh, we we didn't at the club some some uh, uh, presentations. He did some presentations on 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 how everything works. But yes, it's a lot of. Um, 
trial and error, I think, and and a lot of patience because uh, you mentioned about uh, the the moon being at the right position at the right time, and 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 I think that's uh, uh, as as far as I understand, patience is uh, one of the yeah uh, key, key key ingredients. For, well, I, for, I think I think if you have a big station. If you have a big station, you're uh, more likely to make many more contacts much easier. Yeah, yeah. yes. He told, yeah. he told us that the um, there is a guy, I think, in Sweden or somewhere in Europe that he has a, like a huge station and he's like the uh, everybody, the first contact of everyone if, when you are a newbie you contact him because he he has like it's not that you are your transmission is good it's that he's he receives everything so, <laughs> so you can make a guess yeah. or i see bruce uh, bruce just posted uh, a link to the wbcq transmitter specs oh man they're so small i can't read them i gotta see if i can make it bigger yeah, that's actually the specs for the rotatable antenna. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, the 14, typical antenna gain, 14 to 19 dBi. Wow, that's nice. Or 19 to 25. It, it, it's the 19 to 25 dBi. That's, uh, 19 to 23, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's pretty good. Uh, power handling up to 500,000 watts. Uh, it's fully grounded. It's all metal, you know. It's fully grounded there, for sure. Winds, survival winds, uh, 240 kilometers an hour. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I, I, I saw them as they were building it, and that, that uh, was... Uh, Quite an array there. Quite an array. All right. Well, who else we got in here? We got Bill in here. I see Bill sitting back. I hadn't heard his uh, smoke detector beep yet. <laughs> He's probably muted. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, I am muted. Beep. There you go. No, not yet. <laughs> no, I heard there it. it, is. I, heard it. I just heard it, man. Just heard it. You know, I, everybody says to me, "Are, are you going to replace the batteries in it?" Well, um, there's no way to replace the battery. Okay, this is supposedly an electric connection. Okay, and yeah. the house is in probate, and probably by November first, I may be finding new places to live. And I'm not replacing it. Okay. Well, Let the new owner take care of it. Not my, not my problem. Yeah. Yeah. But it will go. Uh, I, I have another system here in the house that should something happen, it will wake me up. <laughs> well, it yeah, you got so used to the chirping that you're just going to sleep through that. Well, no, the chirping is only downstairs. Ah. Uh, yeah. Okay. It isn't in the. It, it is not in the basement, and it is not outside my bedroom door. I will tell you what. 
that would absolutely drive me nuts, and I would go buy one and wire it in just to make it shut up. Well, oh. the problem is, Glenn, okay, I, I originally, when they redid the electrical system in the house back in, oh, God, what was it? 1853. Oh, 2007, <laughs> 2008. They had a, uh, they put in this system. And it had batteries, okay, which was fine, uh, okay. Well, the, when the house went into probate, I lost my original insurance company. Yeah. And they gave this uh, alternate type thing. And the guy come in and he says, well, he says, uh, when was the last time he says that thing went off? And I took the... I took the broom handle and I poked it up in the, at the little button and the thing went off. I says, well, I says, as you can see, I says, it's, it, it's electrically sound. He goes, well, he says, uh, he says, you only have a fire detector. He says, you are to have a fire detector and a CO2 monitor. And I'm there. Oh, <laughs> okay. Well, these bloody things here cost 40 bucks a piece. Okay, yep. so I mean, I had to, I had to go out and buy four. All right, and I figured it was, you know, a nine volt battery, just that and the other. You know, I didn't even bother to check the box. Okay, I should have checked the box. The only other thing I could do, <laughs> I have a, I have an Astron power supply. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Hitch up the wires and charge that battery back up where it's supposed to be. And then I won't be listening to the damn thing going beep, 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 beep every 40 minutes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Mm. But that's only my proposal. All right. Well. All right. All right. Charlie, what do you mean working on lately? Yeah, how's your, uh, how's your, uh, um, what was that thing? Your detector. What was that detector you you had? Your, uh, oh, yes. The, the radiation, the, radioactive stuff. Yeah, yeah, the, the Geiger counter. Yeah. You do any more with that? Yeah, I think I found a couple more, uh, uh needle meters that <laughs> are radioactive because this guy on Twitter, uh, Comment. I, I I posted a picture. I think I think it was a reply to to Alan's comment on his uh, ESR uh, project or something like that. And I showed a picture of my ESR uh, 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 meter that was based on Alan's uh, project circuit mm -hmm. and the meter was one of these with the radioactive uh, paint and and this guy answered saying your your meter is for sure radioactive and then i said oh, why because the the paint is and i said no but it's not it's it is not um it does not light up in in the in the night uh, and he said yeah. no it's because the radioactivity uh consumes the, 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 the phosphorus. I don't know what happens chemically there. 
and it turns into a brownish color. So uh, now I recognize the ones that are radioactive by looking at the brownish color it has. <laughs> I don't know. But that's uh, nothing else about the, the detector. I have it there in a in a in a cupboard, so, mm. in a drawer. Well, you know, I've got me uh, Christmas. I bought me a metal detector, but I haven't gone out any. You know, and uh, I like to go somewhere and find me some old relics and stuff. But everything now is getting so tough to search for people. You know, you got to have, you know, <clears throat> permission to go on property and, you know, search for things like that. Um, but I got me a new new metal detector, and uh, it operated different from my other one. This one, the tone stays on all. Basically, we'll see. Well, I haven't used it enough to even remember how the thing works. It works about completely opposite of my other one. But, um, Glenn, you got any, you got any good places down that way to go hunt for, uh, any neat metal, uh, antique stuff or interesting stuff? Not down here. All we've got is mud. Yeah. You know, there's some Civil War, uh, places yeah, the, um, here in town and that, that actually are on private property. And I uh, didn't know about in town. I know you've got the, the battlefield over there in Corinth. Yeah, but you can't do. You can't get on that. You no, can't you can't get do on, anything uh, there. You can't get on. Um, you know, what is it? Government property or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but here in town, there were several battles and campgrounds that people's homes. And uh, if you know them, uh, usually they let you search your yard. You know, or uh, things like that. Uh, I have found uh, over just across the river, I have found, you know, like mini balls and things like that, you know, uh, but but nothing just major. Yeah. If I'm going to go <clears throat> go treasure hunting, I'm going to do it down there on the Treasure Coast in Florida. You know, uh, find me stuff that's washed up. Yeah. Uh, people have taken metal detectors just right there on the shore and, and picked up million dollars worth of gold the bloom or whatever you call it you know yeah not the bloom what does he call it gold uh, yeah gold the blooms the blooms pieces the of bloom. eight the bloom yeah yeah <clears throat> yeah so yeah you can it, it reminds me of some some short videos i've watched recently uh about this uh some people that uh, call it uh, <clears throat> magnet fishing. So yes. they tie a oh, huge yeah. magnet, one of these huge magnets to very powerful magnets to a rope and throw them in the water and they always come up with something. That is, uh, yeah, that would be fun, I think. And uh, I, I watch a lot of those on TV too, uh, magnet fishing. And, uh, uh, you know, you don't know what you're going to pull up. Maybe a bicycle, maybe a safe. You know, um, they, 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 one, uh, they found a, 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 a huge, uh, Harley Davidson motorcycle. Yeah. It was incredible. Oh, good heavens. They started pulling and, and they had to went, go into the water and they took the bicycle out and the motorcycle. Well, out. occasionally, you know, they'll pull up a gun or something like that. You yeah. Know, usually it's something, um, uh, something else, but yeah, those are fun shows to watch. I've, I've, yeah. I've kind of thought about that, it, you know, 
they make these really big powerful magnets you know so i guess i need to get me a magnet and uh glenn i wonder if we could i wonder if we can magnet fish off the uh, mississippi river bridge um well you could do it at least until they caught you it take a long rope. It take about a four hundred foot rope. I yeah, guess. you'd need a lot of rope to get down on that one. Yeah. Oh man. Beware of the the, the weight of the rope because you have to. Yeah. Hundred foot of rope, oh yeah a lot of weight so it's like the the equation of the of the crane you have a, yeah. a, a yeah. high crane but then you have the weight of the of the the, the chain that you have to take into account uh, so yeah or the rocket you have a you want to a bigger rocket for a bigger payload but then you have a bigger rocket to to push up so you need more rocket to push up the bigger rocket for the bigger payload so it's, yeah, yeah 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 you know i uh i do most of my tv watching now on on youtube this is like regular tv you know, you can you can load all your favorites there and search for different things. You can find full episodes of just about anything you want to watch, and that's that's the kind of stuff I watch on here. Things like metal hunting or or magnet fishing, uh, or uh, you know, highway state police chases, things like that. You know. <laughs> oh yeah, he's shown some good ones when I was over at his place. Yeah, Glenn and I watched. Uh, we watched some great Arkansas Highway Patrol. Uh, they, uh, they don't give up when they start chasing somebody. So, hey guys, if you want to see some good chases, go to YouTube and just, just type in Arkansas state police. And let me tell you, there are, there are chases out there. You would not believe they have, they probably put 20 or 30 new ones every day, uh, on the YouTube channel and, I'm talking 150 miles per hour chases yeah. in traffic on the interstate. I mean, these guys are, are, are going in and out of traffic. They're up against the concrete wall. They're driving on a shoulder passing traffic with signs sticking up, you know, that far from their car. 150 miles an hour. But uh, the Arkansas State Police, they, they don't give up, and uh, they will uh, usually always get their man. Uh, well, they've got this really cool technology called radio. Yeah, and, you know, the, uh, they, don't, they don't call anyone and ask permission to pit somebody. Uh, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's just uh, something that, uh, I guess, they don't have to ask to do, and and I'm tell you, I'm you know I'm seeing pits at 120 miles an hour. Uh, some people get pitted two and three times, and the car doesn't spin out of control, and they'll head back the wrong way on the interstate or or something. And uh, and hey, and these chases go on for 30 to 45 minutes at 150 miles an hour, and you're sitting there behind a dash cam watching this, and you're thinking, man, this is this is crazy, man. Oh, it this is, is crazy. This is crazy. Uh, my, my question always is, because I sometimes watch at least part of it, and, and my question always is, what drives people to, to, to one of those chases? Because, of course, they will be caught. I, they I don't probably know. have a record. 
and yeah. it's worth that you know they're, they're going to go back for a long time if they get caught so they've got nothing to lose well i tell you i, I tell you i mean i i've watched some an hour long up to 150 miles an hour maybe try to pit the guy two times the car's all torn up and he's still driving and then when they do get him out of the car at gunpoint he says what did i do what did i do <laughs> yeah i didn't think you could catch me i didn't do anything you know i didn't do anything what did i do so um it, it's funny to watch these things and uh, again just just do a search arkansas state police or arkansas state police case i had a friend it was a, a a good friend of mine that lived near me over in west memphis there was an arkansas trooper uh his name was tommy wicker and I'm thinking, the guy must be retired now because that was 50 years ago, you know. So <laughs> he's probably not even over here. But now I watch these new young guys on there, and, uh, man, they, they go after it. But my friend, he actually shot the tires out of, of a, a bad guy going across the new bridge, Glenn. Wow. And uh, he, had his, he got his picture in a paper holding that big pistol, you know, out the window right there, uh, you know, on the bridge, like, you know, as he's shooting the tires out. So that was kind of kind of cool, man. <clears throat> was that... Is that the the bridge that goes from Arkansas into Memphis? Yes. Well, there's, there's, there's but he said bridges. the new bridge. I I I just wanted to. Well, uh, no, uh, yeah. we have we have two. We have the older railroad. Uh, well, it's three bridge, bridges. Bridge runs, well, yeah, three bridges. Uh, <laughs> we have the older one that runs parallel to the railroad bridge, and then we have the newer uh, I forty bridge that looks like an M with the the structure. Yeah, we call it the new bridge. The we, we call it the new bridge, but it was built in I think nineteen early nineteen seventies. Yeah, that's the one that that's they shut down because of all the yeah. cracks. All right, so, so that's the one. That, that's the one that I traveled across. Not the, yeah, not the, yeah. The, now, the now I'm really going to bother you, Bill. When you drove on it, that bridge had cracks and was in danger of collapsing. Bill, you, yeah, you didn't. You oh, didn't wait, 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 wait a minute. Yeah. It was nineteen seventy four when I went. Yeah, there. It was. It probably just opened. It was probably brand new. <laughs> It was. It, 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 I'll tell you. I said to myself, "Wow, this is a long, long bridge." Yeah. Hey, you know what? Oh just, no, you want a long, year. long bridge? You try that seven-mile bridge down in the Florida Keys. Seven Lake Lake. What is it? Lake Pontchartrain. It's twenty-something miles. Yeah, Lake Pontchartrain's got a long one too. Yeah. Let's see who got Mike off. Mike. Mike's gonna join us. Uh, hey, hey, that bridge, the new bridge. Last year, a guy got fired over it. One of the inspectors. They uh, they found something and shut it down immediately. You know, it's got steel beams in oh, it. Oh, it had structural cracks it's all through it. It's got steel beams in it, and these beams are like six foot thick, you know, I-beams. Uh -huh. And they, there was there was one in there that was completely broken half, man. Yeah. Well, what about the paddle boat? The what? The paddle boat. Paddle well, they're boat? way underneath it. Uh, well. Yeah, well, no, I'm just saying, did somebody did somebody hit it? Oh, no, 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 no. No, it was no. just age and structure, and uh, let's just say he wasn't inspecting like he was supposed to be doing, and he no longer has his job as an inspector. Oh. Yeah. That, well, that, uh, that, it's high enough that it, that tractor-trailer trucks and buses and all that stuff can go through there with with no um, impediments. However, right. we have these small bridges up, up north here that, you know, uh, they, you know, everything's sign. bigger in the south. There's, yeah, yeah, right. but I'm saying there's a sign. It said that the height is such and such, you know, and and, and the guy still 
took his tractor trailer truck, drove across the bridge, hit the top of the bridge, hit the top of the bridge, hit the top of the bridge, and then the next thing you know, they closed the bridge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they had they had this bridge closed for gosh, what Tom, about six months? Really? Yeah. So how did six- you get how did you get to Arkansas? Well it's another bridge. Just the other bridge. Down. There's another bridge. There was another bridge that was built in nineteen forty eight. Oh. That's oh, actually okay. the one I tend to yeah. use. Yeah. And then the bridge next to that, the bridge next to that was built in eighteen ninety four, I think. And it was yeah, that's it was, the railroad. It was bridge railroad, the but it was railroad, railroad tracks. But yeah. they added uh, uh, they added wooden sides to it, a wooden floor on both sides of that, and cars used to drive before they built the nineteen forty eight bridge. Cars would drive wow. across that wooden the uh, wooden uh, uh, plank uh, floor there. You know, one side went one way and one side went the other way. You can still see it, Glenn, when you cross the bridge. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you had to you had to decide whether you were going to uh, run into a train or you were going to get over before the train. Well, no, it was on the side. <laughs> it was kind of like you know you had the train bridge and then they stuck little arms out both sides. Oh, okay. And, right. and, I, and I put a little rail that. out there and then put wooden plank floors in it. You know and. So, uh, you know, northbound went one side and southbound went the other side. Ah, what's I going on up there? Ooper, come on in Ooper. here. Ooper, come on in yeah. here. Yeah, hey, Mike. Where is it? Unmute Ooper? yourself. Say hello, sir. Hey, okay, I think I'm unmuted. There you are. Hey, it's not snowing. Well, I was going to ask, how's the weather? Is it good up there? <laughs> the operative word there is yet. Did, did I hear something about the police cases, huh? About the who? Yeah. That's what I used to chase them on. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You used to chase them on yeah. that? Yeah. Well, let me see. What is that? I, yeah, okay. That's a motorcycle, there you go. There man. You go. Well, look, let me tell you. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, the chases I've been watching, They're 130, crazy. 130, 130 to 150. I did I, see I, one. I, 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 hey, I saw one the other day, 180 miles an hour, but. It was a motorcycle. It was a motorcycle. Yeah. Well, I I got involved in chases. I I've chased vehicles, but never in those conditions and yeah. in that amount of speed. That's that's those are crazy. I've seen them. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, it gets your adrenaline up. I I've been on a motorcycle chasing. I've been in the car, uh, chasing vehicles, and it's uh, your general. Matter of fact, when I trained on the motorcycle. Yeah. Uh, and went to the uh, the course. They have you run the course uh, without the lights and siren on, the uh, instructor does. And then they have you go back and re- rerun the course with the lights and siren yeah. going. Yeah. It changes your whole. Oh, uh, yeah. On, on yeah. that way, uh, you, know, you get more <clears throat> hyped on it that way, so. I'll tell you, I, 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 I tell you, I, I tell you though, Mark, and maybe you can tell us how how this happens. But I watch these chases, and they're they're tough to watch. 150 miles an hour. I'm talking about I'm talking about some bad guys out there, and they get them out at gunpoint. They don't want to get out, or you know they have trouble. They get them out, and the 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 cops are just as nice as you couldn't believe. <laughs> You know, yes, sir. No, sir. Are you okay? You know, we're going to get you an ambulance. You know, are you okay? Uh, because most of these guys are so hyped up on stuff. Yeah. They, they actually don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
anyway, so it's a, and it, it's not all just alcohol. They, they got themselves so so high burnouts that uh, it, it, they're going, they don't even realize what they're what they're doing. Yeah, my problem is I have to drive across town three days a week, and I get mixed up with a lot of those folks. It's just the regular drivers are flying through at a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> oh, I am not kidding. I mean, they will. They'll pass me on the left and then cut across and three lanes over, and then you see them about, you know, a couple hundred yards ahead, and they do the same thing the opposite direction. And I'm like, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. Well, Glenn, I have to tell you, down in Virginia on, what is it, the Shirley Highway, 395, that goes out of D.C., okay, people go... You know, 50, 60 miles an hour up that road, all right, there is a sign that says exit such and such one mile, all right, then a half mile, all right. And just as you're getting ready to get off that highway onto the exit, some fool comes up in the lane next to you and shoots across in front of you. Yep. I mean... Oh, I mean, yeah, I know. I mean, it's absolutely crazy here. It really is. And I just like, you know, you just shake your head when you watch this stuff. Mm. Oh, yeah. yeah. I now, know. What, it, what is the statute of limitations for exceeding speed limit to such a degree? But that was all done in my former life. So I, Let, I, let's just say that in 19... 1970. So you were speeding. Are you admitting right now that you were speeding? I am admitting that I had a nice little Camaro that could do it quite well, yes. Oh, and, no. Put, put it this way. When I was 16, young, I was still in high school. I had a 66 Mustang Fastback. I and, had a 70. And uh, I spent some time in the quarter mile. When I, and it, a lot of people can't believe I wound up as a law enforcement officer. The first year I got my driver's license when I was 16, I had 10 points gone off my license. Wow. The first year. You know, I, I never got a, I, never I was, got a ticket. I was, getting, I was getting stopped all the time. But then uh, later in life, I became the chaser instead of the chaser. Oh, man, I don't, well, know how well, let, I don't know how they let you do it. Hey, let me tell you something. I was watching, again, uh, it popped up on YouTube, and I was watching it. It, it was like a... I don't think it was Porsche. It was some factory in Europe. They're building a car, some fancy car like a Porsche or something. But anyway, they were going through the specs. It had a 630 horsepower engine, top speed 330 miles an hour. Holy cow! And listen, 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 listen to this. Listen to this, Glenn. You think you drove fast? It would do zero to a hundred. Zero to a hundred in like one point seven seconds. Isn't that called a dragster? I don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a dragster does that. I don't know. Yeah, but well, this the was worst a car. thing I did. Your European <coughs> specifications are in kilometers per hour, not in miles per hour. No, these were miles per hour. They were talking. Mm. They were talking miles yeah. per hour. I, I have to find it and show you guys a link. I, I, I find it hard to. Believe, unless you're on some place like the Bonneville South Flats that you can yeah. run something like that. Yeah, now, know. the one I'm really surprised no, that I got away uh, with. Zero, zero to 100 in 1.7, that would be zero to 100 kilometers per hour. That would be zero to 60 in miles. 
in 1.7. Yeah. Oh, but that's that's slow, zero to 60. No, nah, in 1.7 seconds. I mean, I had a little four-cylinder car that do zero to 60. I mean, you know. In 17 seconds. Mm, well, no. Yeah. Uh, maybe, 17, maybe day, 17 days. Maybe a couple of seconds, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, here's the one that I'm really surprised that I didn't get caught. I drove a full tank of gas from, like, Daytona to Jacksonville. <clears throat> And my foot didn't lift other than to pass some slower cars. It was it was to the floor the entire trip. Man, you need you need cruise control. Yeah, I really wish I had it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah, I was eighteen at the time on that one. Yeah. Yep. Oh, now man. now I'm more of the roadblock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, let me. I'm gonna post this link again. See if anybody wants to join. Maybe there's some dragsters out there who want to join us tonight. Yeah. Or hey, if you've been chased by the state police, come on in here and tell us your story. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> oh wait, did I post it? Yeah. Now there's. Yes, you did. Now there's okay. something. Um, DJ just said that the top fuel dragster does zero to three hundred miles per hour in four seconds. Yeah. Woo. Yeah, I, I watched those. Uh, Drag races, the <clears throat> National Hot Rod Association drag races. I find it unreal that they can take off from that dead stop. Well, imagine the G forces that are involved with that stuff. The inertia must be unbelievable. I was just saying the G forces have well, to be well, amazing. You just, you just compensate for it. You just lean forward before you hit the gas. Yeah, you just slam <laughs> you right back. <laughs> just, just lean forward as far as you can when you hit the gas, and it just puts you back in the seat. So, you well, know. if you got the flux capacitor, you know, you can alter the yeah. inertia and the gravity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was watching a video, I think from uh, Smart Smarter Every Day, I think, uh, in in YouTube, that he he um, wanted to show the technology behind drugsters, and the thing is that there is like a a set of uh, limitations they have, like the, the very strict limitations, like the engine has to be a V8 for some reason, and it has to be naturally aspirated. You cannot use turbo or something like that. So, so there are a lot of limitations that make the rest of the the, the vehicle with really really high technology uh, parts and, and and techniques to be able to like like to to compete so so it's a really it was a really interesting uh, video because it, it if you see like uh, drag strip racing uh, if you you are not into it you see it as a all oh, you know you put thousands of uh, um, uh, horsepowers into an engine and you drive it and it's not like that because <laughs> it's that's lots of uh, techniques and technologies involved it was really incredible that video yes like in everything right because yeah. everything <clears throat> so yeah so the i mean chat they have room, to put uh, yeah, hey here we go the chat room chris is saying glenn that the the world record holder from out in the salt flats lives right down from you there in holly springs yeah that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well, I've got uh, two friends of mine that have both broken the uh, 200 mile an hour on the Bonneville South Flats. Wow. From right here in Marquette. Both he and his wife have been on over 200 miles on, on the Bonneville See, South Flats on their motorcycles. I'd be afraid I'd have a blowout. Yeah. 
you know? I've been at over 100 miles an hour on a motorcycle. And I'll tell you, things are going by really quick. Trees are just... Yeah, and a motorcycle, man, you know, one, you know, one big bump and you're toast. Well, that's where you got to learn to fall and roll. At 100 miles an hour, yes. Yeah, duck and roll, yeah. man. They teach you that in the military. You know, when you, when you go down, you, you kind of duck and roll. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you jump out of a plane, duck and roll. There you go. Yeah, I saw a guy. Yeah. Jump, I, asked, I saw a guy the other day jump out of the the passenger door of a car chase, and he ducked and rolled, man. At, you know, about forty miles an hour, he did pretty good. Sure. He might have got skin a little bit because it looked like. He I tell you, I really had to be careful. You know, there's one thing going with lights and siren in a car. But when I was going lights and siren on the motorcycle, I came up to an intersection. Uh, I mean, and this is not chase. This is not chasing somebody. Just going to a to a scene, and uh, I had to. I, I slow right down at that intersection, make sure each car in each direction sees me before I went through that. Right, right. absolutely. Right. Yeah, they're looking for a patrol car. They're looking for a fire truck. They're looking for a, a EMS. Uh, yeah. Not a guy on a motorcycle. So I'll tell you, we one thing you had to be when you're on a bike, you know, I was going to an accident or something. It's, yeah, I come up to the lights and siren going on the bike. You know, I okay. Everybody got an eyeball. See me. Oh, yeah, yeah, <clears throat> man. I, I I tell you the we uh, we watch his chases and Kathy and I we grade the the the, uh, the policeman at the end <laughs> as he stops and aims the the uh, the cam you know through the dash cam. We we rate them on how well they aim the dash cam at the suspects there as they're getting them out of the car, you know. <laughs> oh man, I mean, I tell you, it's you know, it's the ending of it that is just you're just <clears throat> literally shaking your head over this, and that's like, what were these people thinking? So, guys, yeah. let, let me let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. See, I I I don't I don't drink alcohol, and uh, other people do, but. I have noticed that when these some of these wrecks that the car may tumble over five or six or eight times and just tear all the pieces, the guy was drunk and he just opens the door and gets out. It didn't even hurt him. Yeah, because he's so already drunk, he's already just kind of. So uh, what's that do? Not, what's that do to the body, man? Does that just, does that just make just you so limber that uh, you know? His seatbelt held him in. Oh man. Well, that and like uh, he was saying that your muscles relaxed while you're drunk, and it's the tightening up that's going to get you hurt. Really, I thought it was the bones breaking is what hurts you. Well, that too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it's it's really it's just the sudden stop at the end that causes the whole problem. Well, you know, maybe it's a tensing. Hey, you know, I yeah. I mean, they I have out, heard no, the, no bones broken. Maybe, maybe the mm-hmm. drinking keeps them from tensing up and it keeps them from yeah. breaking a bone. Well, Mike's the I'll expert you, on I've, this. I've wrestled with uh, and fought with the drunk that are really drunk and high, and they literally don't feel any pain. I'll, I'll tell you, you, you're trying to get their arms back to get the handcuffs on them and stuff like that, and they're just kind of turn on smiling at you when you're yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's like. Okay, we got a problem here. He's not <laughs> feeling any pain, literally. Oh, it's not. It, yeah. It's not that, Mike. It's when you get him to the station, <laughs> and you want to get him in the holding cell. That <laughs> they, they they ain't going. All right, they, yeah. they they flat out tell you they ain't going, and it takes six six police officers 
to uh, actually motivate him did it in take the six? door, and then they lock it. <laughs> did it, Bill? Did yeah, it been, been there and done it when it locked somebody up. It's taken six. Get him right to the county, and then they... Uh, did it take six we'll people, Bill, off to him. get we you, take to put six, you back? Three of us in the cell, we, while we're trying to get the cuffs off of him, and then get, get the door closed, and I quick. Did, did I hear, just hear Bill say it took six people to put him back? Not, uh, no, I, I, I didn't <laughs> say it was me. You were you were breaking up a little. I thought you were describing him putting you back there. Yeah, that's no, what I heard, no, too. No, no. Uh, no. I, I, you want to know something? I've only been stopped for speeding once. Yeah. And I have <clears throat> never, never been in an altercation that I had to show myself in front of a police Station or a court? <laughs> well, you need to move down here because the first Uh-oh, week no, I lived. No, I'm fine up here. <laughs> first week I lived in Mississippi, I got two speeding tickets in one week. Hey, I, I, drove, I, I drove through the speeding traps up in Arkansas, right there at uh, Tyronza <clears throat> and uh, Mark Tree. I have and, never had a speeding ticket in all my life, and I've been driving oh, yeah. 60 years. Wait a minute. What, what, was that? Well, what was that on the way home from Dayton? What, well, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't get a ticket. Oh. I, okay. I, they didn't give now, me a now, ticket. Now man. we're dealing into semantics here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't, yeah. Like I, I said, when I got my driver's license when I was 16, I had, well, <clears throat> every time you got a speeding ticket, that's two points off your license. Yeah. My, before I turned 17, I had 10 points gone out of my 12. I was allowed. So. <laughs> well, the, the, there's, I, a, there's a strip up in Arkansas that is known as one of the world's uh, most aggressive or whatever speeding traps. Where is that? Tyronza. Oh. The speed limit drops from like 55 to 35. You got one sign, and they're waiting on the other side of that sign. Well, see, I would never sit that way. That, that was your As an officer, you're just asking for problems. I well, that's how that city got its revenue. Sign drop like that. No, I, <clears throat> I, you, you sit right there, and you just are going to wind up with arguments. And not right away. You got to set down the road farther to give them time to slow down. But. Well, see, Tyron's is—it's literally a stone's throw from from Welcome to and Thank You for Stopping By. Signs. Really? Oh, it's only like a mile worth of road. Yeah. Wow. You know, you're just asking for problems when any in arguments and stuff. When oh yeah, when you sit and do something like that. No, different if you're sitting doing a 35 mile an hour zone going into a 45 and they're already doing 55 in a 35 before they get to the 45 that's one thing but and we go the other way they got me twice in a week and i said okay we're gonna find a different way to go yeah i was amazed when i went uh, i think it was in connecticut i was driving there and i was amazed to see a a letter saying uh speed change ahead so so it was warning you that there was going to be a speed change limit a lim- speed limit change ahead so That's that true. was like incredible i couldn't believe well thank you for thank you for following the signs there charlie <laughs> uh, yeah you're one of I the mean, few it doesn't mean that i changed speed <laughs> well <laughs> oh, uh, now, the, you- now the admission comes out all right see uh i drove from from my house to Syracuse, New York, and back on the Mass Pike. And I said to myself, well, 
I know there's enough money in the easy pass doohickey thing there on the, and uh, so I just kind of watched what the speed limit was, and I went five miles over, and that was it. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing, you know, Bill. You talk about the easy pass. Uh, when you go down to the Orlando Ham Fest, in particular, you fly into the airport, and, you know, then you're you're on the interstate, and you just go wherever the GPS tells you. Now, when you rent the car. One of the things the agent tells you is, do you want to, to, to pay for the tolls in advance? And I'm just like, I ain't going to be on no toll road. And here I am, our flight's late. You know, Tom was there. Um, that was the year that the cheerleaders got our luggage, and we mm-hmm. had to wait for them to bring it back. <clears throat> and so we're running late, and here I am driving down this toll road, literally having to hand them a couple bucks every few miles, and... A lot of the booths are automated. There was no attendant, and I had just enough free change to make it through to to get off the toll road. Next time around, I'm buying the free pass. <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't have any toll rules up here in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. In the UP, there's no toll rules. So well, what what do you call the Mackinac Bridge there? You got to pay. Well, I guess yeah, you're right. That is. Yeah, they just had a, a walk over to Mackinac Bridge in Labor Day. 26,000 people walked over that bridge. Wow. Wow. That's the only time a pedestrian can be on that bridge is on Labor Day. Mm. And uh, I've crossed that bridge 100 times and, uh, on that way, and I, I love the walk on it. But it starts at 6 in the morning, and you've got 20-some thousand people walking there. Uh, you got an option of walking from one end to the other. It's five miles across that bridge. World's largest dispensary bridge, and making sure you got something set up for a ride at the other end, or walk to the middle and turn around and go back the other way. On that way, but uh, I was uh, I'm, you're not going to see me out there with twenty thousand people walking on that bridge. Mm-hmm. Now I walked the Golden <clears throat> Gate Bridge out in San Francisco one year, and it's like you say. I got to the other side and it was like, okay, I'm tired, and then it's like. Uh, I've only got one choice here, and that's to walk back the other either way to get to my car. Well, they've got that option. If you're if you're a fast walker, you can walk the five miles to the to, to Mackinac City, say, and then turn around and walk the five miles back the other way. You got to be able to do it in a certain amount of time. They used to run buses. They used to have buses on the other or lane running back and forth, but they stopped that a few years ago. No buses, no vehicles. You you, you got to make your choice. You're going to walk to the middle and go back. Or walk all the other end, but either way, you got to have something set up. And I'm not, I'm not interested at six o'clock in the morning if I have any people to get there and uh, walk across the bridge. So I'll never walk across it, but I do drive across it a lot. All right. So uh, if anybody out there is listening, this show. They'll say it shows by ham radio or speeding. Well, yeah, I'm pretty, or the pretty after, we're in the after. But the you show started show. it, Tom. We're in the after the show show, so uh, that means we talk about anything. We used to talk a lot about uh, what did we used to talk about? Uh, colonoscopy. Yeah, colonoscopy. Oh, we used to do yeah. that. But you know, Doc, uh, Doc started dropping out of here. We can't talk with Doc anymore. So I mean, well, anyway, anyway. So whatever the subject comes up, we have fun talking about it and. Uh, uh, of course, Amateur Radio Roundtable is the first hour, and our, our second hour here is after the show show. we got about about six minutes until we sign off. If you're listening out there on Shortwave, uh, shoot us an email. 
to tom at w5kub.com. And I, Let us know where you are. I meant to mention this while the show is going on, but uh, for anybody still around, this weekend is the QSO Today Online Expo. Um, basically, it's a virtual ham fest, and they've got a really nice online setup. And they're going to have 60 different seminars and forums over the course of the weekend. And, of course, I'm doing two Arduino seminars. So uh, they're, they're covering everything in ham radio. So if uh, you're interested, uh, check out. It's QSO Today Online Expo. Just Google that, and that'll get you to the expo. And it's Where, where are they doing it at? It's all online. I, I, I know, but they, does it, didn't they do something like that during COVID? Somebody had a... Yes, he's continued it through COVID. Okay, because I remember logging in, and you could you could go from one room to another. Yeah, and they really was selling enhanced. something. You you could you know, uh, I think what's his name? Uh, I Paul sell the hats and stuff. He was in there. Yeah, yeah, Ron's there. Um, but it's it's really neat because he's enhanced the experience more and more with each uh, new one that he does. And now they even have little areas that you can sit and have talks with your friends in virtual tables and stuff and it's it's really it's 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 a lot of fun i think the tickets are ten dollars and there's 60 different presentations and they're all recorded so that you'll be able to go back for the next month and catch the ones you miss so you don't worry about time conflicts and stuff but it's a really cool thing i enjoy doing them well i see it's going on 11 o'clock here so i'm gonna have to call it a night thanks for stopping by it's been fun yeah. Glad you, glad you joined us. <clears throat> I got to make sure you don't forget about me way up north here. Amen, yeah. Yeah, when it starts snowing, we'll remember you again. Yeah, Lake Superior hasn't started to freeze over yet. <laughs> Not far away now, though, is it? Yeah. We're going to go straight from summer to, to winter this year, I think. Yeah. Y'all going to get snow this year? In Mississippi or Wisconsin? Well, where where are you going to be? Who are you asking the question, me or Mike? Um, No, Mike Mike is in northern Michigan. Okay. There's a difference of people who live in Michigan. Well, the people downstate say, when the people live downstate and say they're going up north, they're only going up to Gaylord and (laughs) Petoskey and stuff like that. That's going up north for them, to northern Michigan. They know, you know, you have to cross the Mackinac Bridge to get to the, the UP. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, here, hey, here, look at there, July in in Massachusetts. No, that's yeah. Monticello, Maine. I mean, Maine in Maine. I'm sorry, Maine. Yeah, but that's so far up and so far in. You have to pipe in sunshine and beat them with a slingshot. Oh man. <laughs> <clears throat> never heard that one <clears throat> well it's up there hey but, <laughs> yeah but yeah they are predicting a much colder and wetter winter for us so it could get interesting here they're saying snow for th- uh halloween it always, snow- it always snows on halloween not here Maybe We've up had, there we actually had snow flurries one year on halloween yeah was, we get nothing, nothing about two, between 250, 300 inches of snow in winter, so nothing to worry about. Yeah, 
We, we get three flakes and they shut the roads down. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. They can talk about two feet coming in. Nobody panics around here. Now, uh, up here, two feet, and it's like, well, we'll we'll, we'll see you in about six months because we ain't going Yeah, nowhere. we'll see you in the spring. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. They even have snow plows down there for your uh, nope. airport? No. Nope. No. Um, and actually, it wasn't until, <clears throat> what, Tom, maybe 10 or 15 years ago that they actually started assaulting the highways. Really? Well, I yeah. think I think FedEx may have a couple snow plows, uh, but the airport does not. No, and we don't have them on the road. All we have are salt trucks for the road. <laughs> oh, you poor guys! Uh, you, you don't know what it's like to get down the highway with five trucks in front of you there, uh, plowing the road just before you get there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we well, do. They, they I, got a word for, I can't remember what the the word for it is. They staggered it. They do it here. They got five or six plows. One starts here, then the next one back here, and the next one back sideways. So they, uh, they're, they're, there's a name for what they do. I can't. I, I would draw a blank on it. I but used to get got the whole thing covered. So what's what's the the one that's actually the one on the left is in the front plowing it this way, then the next one's picking it up, the next one's picking it up till the yeah. one closer to the curb, the edge of the road plows it over. And well, when you get behind one of those, you just say, "Well, we just." Follow behind them because they're oh, yeah. around them. I used to get my annual company training classes in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and they were always January and February. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, been there, done that. I've seen, you know, followed behind the snowplows. I was actually the last flight out of the airport uh, when a, when a blizzard hit. I mean, we literally the plane <laughs> took off and we, you know. Made our turn out. We could see the airport, and they shut the runway lights off right after we got off the ground. Like, there's a wonderful feeling for you. <laughs> of course, that was the same airport where they filmed uh, the movie Airplane or Airport. Yeah. Yep. All right, guys. It's getting late. It's 10 o'clock. Good night to everybody out there in the chat room. Good, Good night, night to everybody y'all. listening on the radio. We'll yeah, see nice seeing you, you again, week. Charlie, even though we don't recognize you. Yeah. <laughs> the same. My Charlie, on your 73, guys. Take care. Good night, everybody. Day. We'll see what, see what happens next week. Yeah. Good night, y'all. Right. Thank you. Right. Here's the leave button. Yep. <laughs>